The date was May 18th, 2016, when my life took an unexpected turn for the worse. I was diagnosed with stage 3 HER2 positive breast cancer in my left breast at the age of 30. Completely devastated and embarrassed of my diagnosis, it forced me to stay in the shadows of fear and shame. Doctors recommended six treatments of chemotherapy for survival. This meant I would be sick all the time and worst of all, lose my hair. If that wasn't bad enough, the enemy wasn't only attacking me physically, but also my household in the worst way. Being at my lowest point, I surrendered to God wholeheartedly. Proverbs 3, 6, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. God's will was not for me to go into hiding, but to witness his grace and mercy and to serve. Here's my story. This around the way girl wants to chat with you. She's discovering new information in this world that surrounds her, tapping into her inner power, her sexuality, and taking ownership of her insecurities. She discovered she had to unlearn some things. Come and enjoy her moments of reflection, re-education, redefinition, and evolution. Kick back, sip some wine, take a drive, whatever your vibe. Join me, your host, Shea Sana, with She Discovered Podcast. So stay tuned. You might learn some things. In today's discovery, I speak with Eva Bonet, a breast cancer survivor. Eva shares her journey in dealing with breast cancer, as well as the not-so-conventional route she took for her recovery. I was also alarmed by the statistics when pertaining to African-American women and breast cancer. Please tune in for this informative and touching story. Disclaimer. Anything stated on this episode of She Discovered Podcast is designed for educational and informative purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We encourage you to continue visiting and being treated by your primary care physician or healthcare provider. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professionals in this field. Do not disregard, avoid, or delay obtaining medical or health-related advice from your healthcare professional. What was the day like when you found out your diagnosis? Well, let me back up for a little bit. Everything was great the week prior to that. My family and I just came back from Florida from vacation. Everything was great. Literally, I came back and I don't know why I didn't notice it before. I took a shower, got out the shower, about to climb into bed. And I felt like this lump Mm -hmm. on my left breast, right where my armpit meets just the base of my breast. And there was like a groove. You know how like when you wear your bra very tight, sometimes you'll have like a mark. So this mark wasn't going anywhere. It stuck around. You know, I felt like it was weird. You know, I figured, oh, maybe it's my period is coming or something. And this lump is just kind of here, which does happen before to me. But not at all am I thinking this is a serious thing because mm-hmm. I've had, you know, lumps here and there. Went to the urgent care of all places. And I'm like, you know, this is what I'm feeling. And they're kind of like, um, well, you know, you might need to go to a radiologist. Mm-hmm. so that they can run some tests, MRIs. I did that. They didn't want to give me my results that day, which was odd. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And I understand that sometimes it may take a few days. But when I came in for my visit, they told me that, you know, once my radiographs were ready that day, the radiologist would speak to me right Mm -hmm. after. So I'm expecting to speak to the radiologist after. Mm -hmm. But when they told me that I needed to see a breast specialist, I got worried, like, okay, why is it that I'm being referred to a specialist, your radiologist, I'm sure you can see what's going what's going on. Yeah, on the pictures, they didn't want to tell me anything. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I'm kind of panicking. Of course, my husband is just like, you know, it's probably nothing to worry about. This is just their protocol. So I'm like, okay, I'm still hopeful. They ran tests, they did a uh, biopsy, came back, And she just told me flat out, you have breast cancer and it's advanced and it's stage three. It's just like blow after blow after blow. I just remember thinking like, nah, you know, no way, not me. Like, I'm too strong for this. Like, I don't have time to be worn. I couldn't believe it. I looked over at my husband and he just gave me that look like, it's okay. It's all right. You know, I'm like, no, it's not that. I really wanted to flip tables up in there. Right. Um, it was very, very dark time. That drive home was just the longest drive home ever. You know, my daughter at the time, she was five. Okay. All I can think of is who's going to take care of Eliana? You know, my husband eats at a certain time. It, it was just like, who's going to be taking care of my family? It was very, very dark for me. I kept thinking about even the minimal stuff that I shouldn't have been worried about, like more like my looks, which is very superficial. But knowing having to go through a lot of these intense treatment, you know, you lose your hair everywhere, you know, facial hair. I mean, every hair on your body, I didn't you lose it that. when you go through chemo. Yeah. People think it's the cancer that makes you lose the hair. It's the chemotherapy. So it's not only on top of your head. No, I had no eyelashes, no eyebrows, no hair, (laughs) you know, bodily everywhere. It was gone. I just knew that I had to be here for my child. And that kept me going. And what's crazy is moving forward, I realized that I had got this breast cancer from an IUD that I had in place for five years. And this is very controversial. What I had was the IUD. Okay. What the IUD is a birth control that is placed in the uterus for five years. I had the Mirena and this is very controversial. I kept it in for five years after having my firstborn. I didn't want children right away. This is the route we went for birth control on the fifth year, uh, maybe two months, two, three months. I would say before it was time, it was due for me to remove it. Once I did remove it is when I found the lump. Wow. So when I spoke to my doctor, he told me that the kind of cancer which I had, which is called the HER2 new positive, was the type of cancer that likes estrogen, too much estrogen, too much hormones. Okay. So I had no one in my family who had breast cancer. And usually for us growing up in our generation, we always heard it to be something that was genetic, right? So it's just like... Like, so if my mother doesn't have it, my aunt, my grandmother or whatsoever, how could I have possibly gotten it? But like you said, Mm -hmm. you're bringing up a possible controversial topic that you Mm -hmm. actually got it from birth control. Absolutely, I did. And what's crazy is going to my doctor's visit, you know, once I did come to terms with my illness and I accepted it and I sought treatment and everything. 
going to my doctor visits and seeing more and more younger women than me, because I was diagnosed at 30, young women, like in their twenties and they're walking out in tears. And I just feel like, oh my goodness, my heart goes out to them. Cause that, that was me when I got diagnosed, like I was in complete shambles. It's a lot of black young women that are being affected by breast cancer. And a lot of people don't understand that. Well, a lot of women don't understand that a lot of these birth control that they're using are contributing factors to breast cancer. How did you come out or how did you become more knowledgeable of that fact, um, besides what your doctor was already telling you about the type of cancer that you had was hormonal. What other mm-hmm. things that you researched or talked to maybe other um, healthcare professionals to find out that that was the actual link? Okay. So at the time I did a lot of research. I spoke to a lot of people. I was in support group of women who also, you know, we had like a group online a lot of them attested to the same thing. A lot of the research. So I researched the Mirena. There was like this whole, you can look it up now. They still have it up. There was a big uh, lawsuit. Women were having all sorts of ovarian cancer, breast cancer. It's the hormone, you know? Yeah. it's a. They say it's a low dose, but it's secreting all this hormone into your body. And naturally as women, we have enough. Our bodies can create enough for us. We have estrogen. Uh, We have enough in our body that we don't need that extra stuff. So when you have too much, your body can create lumps, abscess, anything, any abnormality in your body. I had three other women that were in, that were much older than me. They said that they got the breast cancer from the depot at the time. And we know the depot was like the biggest thing back in the nineties. And these women were like on their second round of breast cancer. They beat it, was in remission and the breast cancer came back. So these were older women. These were women in their Mm -hmm. fifties. I was just led to believe that I, you know, thought myself as a uh, healthy enough person. You know, I ate fairly good. You know, I worked out. I had no family history of breast cancer. So that's why they tell women to constantly check for lumps, like be per, like be active and checking your breasts regularly, not just, oh, every couple of months, like as no. you're showering, you know, just, just check things out. Cause like you said, it wasn't something that slowly grew one moment, nothing's there. And then two days later, you're just like, what's this? And not only was it a short span, it was advanced. It wasn't stage one, you know, if I was found in to be stage four, that's where, you know, deadly. Stage four is typically spread everywhere to your body, your organs and everything else. It's hard. It's harder Mm -hmm. to treat that. And so lucky for me, they were able to catch it. We treated it, got surgery and everything. And I've been in remission since. It's been five years. So before you tap in to that what was that journey like because now you're in stage three like you said you're not in stage one so you're one step away from stage four what was that journey like because you said now you accepted it you realized what caused it 
okay, now we're going to get treatment. And you shared about how, you know, you lost your hair, your eyelashes. And again, there's a misconception that you, you just think for those that have not gone through it, you just think, oh, I'm going to lose my, you know, hair up top of my head, not realizing that the chemo is actually affecting your whole body. What were the things that you were experiencing through the journey before you even hit oh. remission? Oh, it was depression for sure. Dark depression. My, every day was a dark day. No matter how much my support system would try to, you know, liven up the day, it was dark. I didn't want to look in the mirror and look at myself. I couldn't look at that person because I did not recognize her. It put a strain on my marriage mm -hmm. for sure. It was very, very difficult. It was a very difficult journey, not only for me, but those that even loved me that wanted to be supportive. And I pushed everyone away okay. because I was going through this thing. There was times where I didn't want to be alive. I just right. wanted to just be gone because it was too much for me to bear. It, I was hurting people around me because I was hurting. It's not an easy, you know, it wasn't easy. It wasn't at, easy. At all. At it all. wasn't easy at all. You realized you had this strength, right? That you wanted to live for your family. You accepted it, but still going through it, you had those thoughts. And I want people to be clear that it is okay to go through the motions. Some people think just because like mm -hmm. you said in the beginning, you're like, okay, I got this. Okay, I'm I'm accepting it. I got to be strong for my family. So that means that's going to be your whole experience throughout the whole thing. That's not the case. You're dealing mm -hmm. with things that you weren't mentally prepared for. Like you said, you're Absolutely. you're going through marriage problems, you're losing your hair, oh, you're yeah. feeling sick. Mm -hmm. You oh, know, yeah. anger begins to 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 arise. So for yourself, oh, yeah. oh you knew I want to fight this for my family and I'm accepting that I have this. It doesn't negate all the emotions that you were going through throughout that time. Oh, yeah. They're very ugly emotions. And on top of that, the treatments and medications that I had to take were causing me to physically be ill. I would throw up. I couldn't smell food. Mm. Water tastes like metal. I, I became like this toothpick. Okay. Because it was hard to eat. It was hard to drink. So that alone in itself caused me to be irritable all the time. Mm, makes sense. Just that alone. Not, you know, to mention looking in the mirror and the girl staring back at me is a whole different person. Person physically, everything. I just felt like this thing was trying to beat me down. It was literally a battle. There was days where I didn't feel like being strong. I didn't feel like being a mom. I didn't feel like being a wife. Right. I just wanted to ball up in a corner, cry and just be done because right. it was just so intense. My support system really got me through because I felt like I may not care to want to be on this earth anymore, but they definitely are fighting for me. And what selfish person would I be if I just want to end it all when they're fighting? And because of that, that just brought a new strength in me that I had to, I had a purpose. I had my daughter, I had my, you know, my child, my husband. In addition to that, I did do a lot of holistic type of treatment. Before we get there, I want to go back a little bit. So okay. I'm going to read some statistics here that I looked up online because you said something very vital and I'm glad that you brought it up where you said that while you were at the doctor's office, you saw a lot of young black women. When looking up statistics, 
it said that black women have the highest breast cancer death rates of all racial and ethnic groups and mm-hmm. a 41% higher rate of breast cancer death than white women, one to yes. two. That mm-hmm. is not a typo. It's a staggering statistic. Black women with bre- breast cancer are 41% more likely to die from the disease than white women. Mm-hmm. What's more crazy is that African-American women are less likely to survive for five years after diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And then they said that there's no simple answer to that disparity, but it is most likely the result of both socioeconomic and genetic factors. Mm. Research to determine whether there is a genetic component to the higher rate of more aggressive cancers and the younger age at diagnosis is ongoing. In the meantime, there are a variety of socioeconomic factors that may be contributing to the staggering mortality rate among African-American women with breast cancer, namely inadequate screening, inadequate treatment, and lack of access to treatment. People just don't know really what's out there, what's going on. And there are so many information that you're privy to that is free information, Mm -hmm. free access to certain clinics in your local area that you can go to without health insurance and they will accept you and and help you, you know, and educate you. A lot of times when I look at our, our people, our women, a lot of it is just ignorance. Not enough people are educated about their bodies and certain diseases that are out there, you know, certain foods. All of that, because what I was gonna say is that when I read that, I was just like, wow, because for myself, sometimes you feel like you're immune to it. Like like you said, mm-hmm. this can't happen to me. This this won't happen to me, you know? And right. with the rate of women that they're saying that black women is higher to white women and like this uh, socioeconomic, like you said, inadequate screening, testing, but lack mm-hmm. of education. But I wanted to bring mm-hmm. up nutrition because mm-hmm. you go to certain communities, mm-hmm. urban, what we call the hood, but urban inner city communities, they're mm-hmm. not being taught about nutrition. Now mm-hmm. you kind of see it a little bit more. They're not being right. taught about nutrition. You have your mm-hmm. local stall stores that are not providing the right nutrients. And if they are, it's highly ex- expensive or it's not mm-hmm. affordable. It all boils down to educating our people and other mm-hmm. podcast episodes that I've done. Every topic that I usually talk about always boils down to education, a lack of knowledge, mm-hmm. Not to connect it, but to connect it. It makes me think of the scripture in in the Bible where God says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like knowledge is is key and applied Mm -hmm. knowledge is power. What are some more like statistics or maybe just things pertaining to breast cancer or different types of breast cancer that you were now being educated on? Yes. Yeah, so I was in support groups. And when I did the my first 5K, my um, Susan G. Komen 5K, I met so many people, not just survivors and supporters, but I've met doctors, I've met holistic people, uh, information that they provided me with, telling me their experience, different types of breast cancer. People think, you know, say, oh, well, they're stage one, one they're type. stage two, they're stage three. No, there's some that are not driven by hormone. There's Mm. different types. 
Mine was more of a, an aggressive type, which is the HER2 new positive. That's the more aggressive. So once it gets there, it's going to be advancing pretty soon and you have to catch it quick. So there's so many out there. And I didn't even know until going to these like races, talking to other women who had different types of breast cancers, that just kind of motivated me to just do more research. And I realized some of the information that was online, everything wasn't all the way accurate. Mm. So it took having to speak to more, even Western medicine, even my oncologist, we would argue all the time. It's like he, I dreaded going to my doctor's appointments because we would always argue on okay. certain things. Okay. Because, you know, Western medicine, they're all about medication and everything else. And Pharmaceuticals. A, I'm telling you. And they were all making money. Mm-hmm. One visit, one round of chemo. So when I go in for my, my drip, $30,000, okay? Just for one visit. $30,000? $30,000. And the drip takes about three hours. So you're sitting in a chair for three hours with these concoctions and you're just lethargic, you're just sluggish. That day, you know, your bones, everything is just feels like it's been smashed. You can barely walk, you're sick, you can't drink any water. And then they want to hit you with radiation and everything else. So I declined radiation. They told me to take six rounds of chemo. And I just said, I'm going to do four because I'm going to do this holistic thing. Before now, we're going to tap into your rec- more into your recovery and the holistic route. For my listeners, I would like to put a disclaimer out there. Anything that is stated on this episode of She Discovered Podcast is designed for educational and informative purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We encourage you to continue visiting with and being treated by your primary care physician or healthcare provider. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with your physician or other healthcare professionals in this field. Do not disregard, avoid, or delay obtaining medical or health-related advice from your healthcare professional. So yes to all of that, because what may work for one person may not work for another. But for me, I wanted to try natural in addition. It's natural stuff. I can't go wrong. Right. So this was my thought process. Insurance does not cover it. This was my life and it was worth the try. They recommended cannabis. This is a Mm. doctor that worked out of a office facility. (laughs) At the time it wasn't legal here per se. Even the medical type was not legal yet. Okay. But he did tell me to go to a black market website to purchase the drops. Um, The website is called Charlotte's Web. And this website has all types of strains of cannabis. Cannabis oil is what they called it. It does not, it has THC, but it did not make me feel like, you know, high. The psychedelic kind of feeling. It was more for just strictly medicinal purposes. And I would take it with my water. I would put it in my food. I would drop, you know, there were drops. So I drop it directly on my tongue. And literally I felt more stronger, like with my bones. It was weird. I felt stronger. I was working out. I was able to work out. I was able to eat. I was able to taste food, taste water. Sex drive was better. Right. The depression diminished. Wow. Um, I gained confidence. You know, I was still going to chemo. I felt, you know, more confident 
and what my look was now. I was okay. a bald woman right. and I didn't wear wigs. I literally just owned everything. My skin was, you know, before with the chemo, my skin was all gray and patchy. Not so much patchy. It was just gray and frail. I had more energy. I mean, I was in the gym working out. I was able to eat food. Were you doing this while you were still doing chemo? Yeah. So with chemo, I had, they recommended six rounds. So chemo was once every three weeks. Oh, okay. So that it wasn't an everyday thing. So that one time that chemo would last me for three weeks. So I would be Ah. sick for three weeks straight every day for three weeks. And then when my next dosage came, I would even be even more sicker. But when I incorporated the oils, I felt a little bit better. So on my fourth round of chemo, mind you, they recommended six. On my fourth round of chemo, I went to the doctor and they did their mammogram. And he did the mammogram, he did the self-exam and he, you know, and I just, he just looked very perplexed. I'm just <clears> like, what's going on? He's like, um, I don't see the lump. It's shrunken to nothing. Like it's not there. And he, you know, got with the radiologist. There was no lump on the radiographs. So I'm like, are you serious? And he's like, what they're going to do is they're still going to have me go get a lumpectomy, but they're not technically removing a lump at this point because there's no lump. Right. But they're going to remove the tissues around where the lump sat just to be sure. Because the thing with cancer cells, it doesn't just live in the lump. It can be in surrounding tissues. So they wanted to just kind of excavate around where the lump sat just to be sure. So they did that surgery after that. I, and they recommended that I did radiation, which is like a targeted treatment. Okay. So basically I would sit in the chair and radioactive energy would just be going to that site, killing any potential cancer cells floating around. I told them, hell no, I absolutely not. We're not doing that. What was Um, the particular reason, despite what you just described, what else was going through your mind that you're like, I'm not going to do the radioactive treatment? They said that I would never have kids after that. They said that that's it. You know, um, you at least you have a daughter. It was what they were telling me. It's like, Mm -hmm. you don't know my life. You don't get to make those decisions comments. So that was my biggest one. But just based off of what I know about radioactive energy to the human body, like you can't even stand in the same room getting an x-ray without having to put a lead apron on. So you mean to tell me that this thing that is quote unquote supposed to just be targeting my cancer area is not going to do damage to my organ, you know, I said, no, absolutely not. And then they wanted to put me on a pill that I would be on this pill for 10 years of my life and get this, this pill that I would have to take twice a day for 10 years of my life. Here's the side effects, uterine cancer, breast cancer can occur, but maybe on the other side of your breast, hair loss, uh, loss of taste, Loss of physical activity. So basically no libido, whatever. Ulcers. Man, there were so many. I The list was just, he was like, listen, at least you will not have breast cancer here. I'd here. Like, so you can here. have it somewhere else, but not here. That doesn't, it's not logically sound. 
You're telling me I won't have breast cancer here, but I may get it in my other breast or I may develop a different type of cancer. And he said that there's a chance. So they don't really know, but there's a chance. I I declined. I did not take it. I continued with the cannabis. Mm -hmm. I continued to make butter out of it, you know, and I would eat it. Oh yeah. I still do to this day. Absolutely. I do. What opened up my eyes to in this whole journey was looking at my EOBs, my explanation of benefits. So basically my insurance would send me a copy of what they've paid for. And I would just say, you know, I normally I would just take them and throw them out. I said, let me look at them. And I would look at how much these medications cost, how much the, the treatments cost, the visits. And it was just like, it blew my mind. From the time that I found out I had breast cancer to the time, the day that I decided I wasn't going to continue on with those treatments, I can say that it was maybe $600,000, $600,000. That's two homes in Georgia. Sis. <laughs> wow. It opened up my eye to Correct. why they pushed it. Yeah. Correct. And I was going to ask you, because you said the holistic route was expensive as well, mm-hmm. but I would mm-hmm. assume it's nothing in comparison. Oh, no, absolutely right. not. No, no, no. I would say this. Every visit, I would probably have to come out $500 out of my pocket every time I would sit down with that doctor Mm -hmm. and I would go twice a week. Okay. I went twice a week for two months. Okay. Okay? So it was expensive. Absolutely not in comparison to what these people were doing to me, but it was the oils that got me through. When I started seeing a difference in my mood, my eating habits, just my physical appearance with something that is natural, it was like, okay. So it made me really see what Western medicine was all about. The pharmaceutical company and everything it stands for. Understood. And again, this is your experience. You're not talking from left field where you're just like, well, this is my opinion. You've actually lived through it. You've seen what was going on. You've Mm -hmm. had breast cancer. So again, although I've already given the disclaimer, I want my listeners to know, again, we are not saying to not talk to your healthcare professionals and to not tap into Western medicine. There are certain elements of benefits to it. But like Eva is stating, there is also a holistic route that we notice that a lot of people look down upon. And we're like, Mm -hmm. why look down upon it if this is from the earth before even Western medicine arrived or was into our understanding what was being used previously? You Mm -hmm. understand? And like you said, it's called Western medicine. When you go to Eastern countries, they still use use holistic methods. So it's not like we're trying Mm -hmm. to completely disregard modern medicine, Western medicine, Mm -hmm. but we want you to understand this is Eva's experience. This Mm -hmm. is um, not only her opinion, but this is the research that she has done and has proven to work Mm -hmm. for her body and her family. And there has been people, you know, there has been people who tried the holistic route because they started too late it didn't work for them, unfortunately. But fortunately for me, that has not been the case. And a lot of times we don't understand that a lot of these illnesses that we're getting is environmental. You know, it could be 
where you are. If you're in the inner city, certain fumes. And that educated me as well. As it pertained to breast cancer, this was an environmental thing. This was a foreign thing that was in my body that created a mess like this. After you being in remission, you've been in remission, like you said, for five, five, six years? Five years. Five years. Mm -hmm. And what's the beauty? In that period of time, you had two more beautiful daughters. Two more daughters. You know, what a blessing. What a blessing. After being told that I wouldn't be able to have kids anymore, you know, a lot of the chemo was just kind of, and it was just a blessing. And I knew that this was my second chance. Mm -hmm. And I owed it to myself to do right for me to continue being here. Right. And so if I have to stop certain type of foods or what, that's just what I was going to do. It was worth it. It was worth it. I can't let certain things ruin my body, ruin my life, ruin the quality of my life. What was the aftermath like even before finding out that you were pregnant with your second child? And you said Mm -hmm. even till this day you practice utilizing cannabis. But like Mm -hmm. what was like the emotional or spiritual aftermath? I first and foremost had to forgive myself for feeling the way I was feeling because I wanted to end my life. I told myself it's okay. It's okay. You went through this. Here we're going to move on. I just prayed. I my faith grew. God, I just thanked him every day. Every day was a day of thanks. Every day was just I was thankful to have a community of people behind me. I was just thankful to be here. I was thankful for the knowledge I was privy to because not everybody can say that. Right. And I just Thank God, because it's like you chose me out of so many great people. Here I am wanting to end my life because I went through this and you chose me. It made me feel like there was a purpose here. Right. My purpose had a lot to do with thankfulness, giving back to others, whether it's from education. I wanted to do that. I wanted to be the vessel for that because Mm. I was given a second chance. So grateful for that. And you've gone on besides, you know, your marriage continuing to build and grow. You've Mm -hmm. had two uh, new daughters. So you have three beautiful daughters Mm -hmm. and you've also, and correct me if I'm wrong, did you start your own business afterwards or did you always have your own business? It was right after, literally right after um, my husband and I were talking about, this is something you love to do. I love to cook and I would always cook for other people. You know, I just find joy. It's my passion. Being that, you know, my husband was a very go-getter, hustler. He was just like, let's make money out of this thing. You know, that's when I started to put my brand together. And not only was it just about catering, I also enjoyed sharing my story to many women who would book me for a catering event and everything else. And they would tell me how I started. And this story would literally come up every time because it was right after because I wanted to find my purpose. I wanted to find out, well, why am I still here? Because so many people die from this. And I was given a second chance. And so I know that my second chance wasn't for nothing. 
use my talent, bless others, and also educate others in the process. I love it. I love it. And your business is that you do catering. Um, is it pertaining only to Haitian food? It's Caribbean. So, but more so Haitian because, you know, I'm Haitian and yeah. that's my first passion and everything. Yeah. But I also do all types of Caribbean dishes as well. And uh, your business is called Citadel Express. Express. So how, how, how did you come up with the name? I mean, I know, but how did you come up with the name? It's funny. My husband and I, like, we were up all night trying to figure out so many names. We came up with so many. This one just clicked. And we, I just, we were Googling. We were like, you know, what's something like a Haitian monument? We literally, we saw this one and I was just like, this is it. This mm-hmm. is what I want. And the express came more so from him because the idea was, you know, there's so many other restaurants out there. Our people, our Caribbean people, other Caribbean islands too. We usually get this experience that when we go to get food, they may not have this dish here, this, this, there, <laughs> and it may not be fast enough. You know, right. you're waiting. So I wanted to stand alone. And I wanted to just have like a faster service. Thank you so much for just sharing so much of your story. And again, your experience. Oh, most Mm -hmm. definitely. Most definitely. Mm -hmm. I think this is a very vital topic that we need to talk more about within our community amongst Black Mm -hmm. women and not waiting until a family member or a friend or even ourselves being diagnosed with some type of cancer or breast cancer, but understanding based on the statistics that we just spoken about and understanding even birth control, like you mentioned, and understanding that it is our environment, it is the food. So to Mm -hmm. think that we are immune to this possibly happening to us, that's out the window because it's no longer, oh, well, my mama didn't have it and my grandma didn't have it. So I don't have anything to worry about. It can be developed. Yeah. It could Mm -hmm. be developed. Like you said, there was something foreign that came into your body. So I wanted to mention that besides um, mammograms, that should be done doing our Mm -hmm. own breast exam is there any other type of breast cancer preventative measures that you are aware of okay so for me it was the lump and it was obvious because it was huge I can see it's visible you want to like when you're in front of the mirror or just in your bathroom in general you come out the shower when you're naked you stand up straight and then you bend all the way down to touch your toes if you feel like a pulling like a tugging that's not normal of course we have one breast that's naturally bigger than the other other. but Mm -hmm. if you have one that is just too big that's not normal biggest thing is to definitely feel around. And when you're feeling around, you don't just squeeze the breast and feel you want to take the hand, the tips of your fingers and kind of start from like the tip of your shoulder from where your shoulder meets the top of your breast and start around there and kind of work in a circular motion around the breast. And then you move until you get to your nipple. So you basically want to make sure you're covering the outer parts of your breast until Mm -hmm. you reach the nipple and you Mm -hmm. really want to feel around. And they say that you should check that, you know, every, you know, 28 days after your cycle, before your cycle, but do it more frequently than that. Okay. Just because it can develop literally within a week. Um, I know a lot of insurances won't cover a mammogram unless 
there's some type of abnormality, mm. some type of thing that you're feeling. So they typically, and your age too, because for my age, I, I was 30 at the time. Normally they won't cover mammogram unless you're 40 and up. Okay. Right. Because I had this issue, my insurance covered it. If and when you feel something and you know your body, if you feel off, you don't have a good feeling about it. Right. And this goes for men because men get this too. You know, it's more rare for men, but they also need to check around for that. Their lump may not be as pronounced as us women where we can actually, but they can definitely get the tumors in their chest walls. Mm. So you definitely just want to just check for any abnormality um, okay. and check with your doctor make sure if you do have health insurance, you want to make sure what your health insurance covers, go to the doctor, get yourself checked out, get your regular physicals, you know, make sure you're fine, make sure your blood work, everything is just fine. You're up to date. Before this cancer started, I wasn't consistent with the doctor. I was the type of person, if something happened to me, I would go to the urgent care. Mm. And so this experience taught me to keep regular visits at the doctor. And that's very important because as you're saying it, it's true. If you're below 40, it is not covered by your insurance. And like you're Mm -hmm. saying, you caught it at 30. You were at the doctor's Mm -hmm. office seeing women in their 20s. So it's very important that we ourselves are checking ourselves out, like you said. The other thing I, I thought that was very important not only do we have to make sure what's going on outside our bodies and doing the regular checkups, but understanding the different elements that can contribute to getting cancer. So mm-hmm. not waiting for something to happen to think, hmm, maybe I need to eat differently. Maybe right. I need to exercise a little bit more. Understanding that nutrition plays a vital part in how mm. our body develops these different de- diseases. Right. So I think Mm -hmm. that's very important. And lastly, is there any other resources that our listeners can actually go to? There's one that I heard of called Sisters Network. Um, That's like a website that definitely discusses awareness of breast cancer among specifically African-American women and they're Mm -hmm. educating them. But is there any other resources that you know of that our listeners can also tap into? Most of my um, information I got from a group of women survivors like me on Facebook, the forums, they're open forums, you know, there's people who are going through it, surviving it, or they're supporting someone who they know who have it. They post a lot of very vital information. The one that I, you know, they haven't posted in a while, you know, breast cancer survivor, uh, breast cancer support group. And there's so many, there's so many types of cancer groups out there. There's, you know, Susan G. Coleman, they have their race every year. I would meet so many people. There was other races that were going on with, you know, on a more smaller scale. Right. You know, people who would put these races together. And honestly, a lot of the information that I got was from just rubbing shoulders with just people. Okay. Not so much internet. It it was more like connecting with people in person. Okay. And talking to them. 
there's some information you can get online and it and it's fine but a lot of the support groups is where it's at you'll you'll find a lot of information stuff you didn't know even down to like i was saying with the insurances and how to get your insurance to cover breast surgeries <laughs> and everything else the information was just mind-blowing just okay. off the support groups alone so again eva thank you thank just you so much of course so <laughs> on this episode and listeners, if you are in the Atlanta area, metropolitan area of Atlanta, and you need catering done, please yes. hit up Citadel Express. I will definitely have it in the description. Um, hit them up. Support Black-owned businesses. Yes, okay? yes, yes. And definitely yes. my Aisian, <laughs> my Haitian people. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I really hope that you've gained a lot of knowledge, you know, and mm -hmm. as you know, the, the guests that I have come on, I want them to truly share their authentic experience. And I hope that's mm -hmm. what you received today. And once again, stay tuned for the next episode of She Discovered Podcast. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you've gained some knowledge, insight, and clarity in this moment, creating your own inner discoveries. Tune in again with new episodes released every Tuesday. And most importantly, head over to at She Discovered Podcast on Instagram to interact with me and receive more tips and info relating to all topics discussed. As always, you are appreciated.